Good Friday, ladies and gentlemen. How is everyone doing tonight on this uh, wonderful Friday evening? I might say it's wonderful myself. It's been quite beautiful weather here down in my neck of the woods. I hope you guys are having quite the same experience where you are as well. Uh, but nevertheless, welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to another edition of The Sea Report. We'll be coming to you guys live for the next couple of hours here. And uh, I am your host, Mr. C, as always. We are coming to you guys live from the foxhole.app, from pill.net, from Trovo, from CloudHub, from twitch.tv, from DLive, and we'll be running live here on ScrewTube for just a little while. Now, yesterday we were live on ScrewTube too. If there was uh, anybody uh, over at ScrewTube that got even the slightest of snowflake offended by some of the stories that we had to share, well, I have no idea because I haven't checked to see yet if we've gotten any marks for it. But uh, we'll be running live here on a ScrewTube for eh, a little while only. And the reason for that is because, ladies and gentlemen, I think we're finally just about caught up with all of the... Um, eh, how did you guys put it? Erection fraud? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. And uh, man, it's been quite a nab getting it all done today. Let me tell you what, it's been quite a job. And as ever, and as always, it just seems like it is always, always a stream of production coming out of stories in that neighborhood. Uh, I mean, th there's still stories breaking left and right, ladies and gentlemen, when you think about it uh, in regards to uh, election fraud and stuff like that. Uh, but we are going to tackle the most of it tonight. Uh, it's, it's about there. We're about there, guys. We're about there. Uh, we got quite a show for you guys today. Uh, we will be digging into some Georgia election fraud. Now, we all know a little bit about Georgia. We all know a little bit about the election fraud that took place there. We all know a little bit about all of the mm, caveats of fraud that happened there. Now, that is to say that uh, there's just been so much that we've been able to cover and share with the friends and the family out there in regards to what was going on in Georgia. I said it from the jump. I've said it for months. We could decertify Georgia today. In fact, we probably should have decertified Georgia yesterday, if not several weeks ago, if not a few months ago, if not half a year ago with the amount of fraud that was coming out of that state in regards to the 2020, uh, 2020 presidential elections. Uh, some people are kind of on the hinge about that because they want to get through those forensic audits first. Now, I stand with Wendy Rogers and, uh, and all of the signatories of her letter for the uh, audit all 50. Uh, but I, I really believe when we're talking about the fraud that's come out today, when we're talking about the fraud that's come out today, when I say today, I mean a sum total. As we stand here on, remember, remember, the 5th of November day, all of the election fraud that has happened in 2020 and beyond, ladies and gentlemen, all of it, the summation of all of the fraud, as we stand today, we can decertify several states. We can decertify Michigan. We can decertify Georgia. We can decertify Wisconsin. We can decertify Pennsylvania. And uh, 
barring this investigation by AG Brnovich in Arizona, we should have already decertified Arizona. Now, we all know it would take what? Three states? If the goal of decertification were to flip the vote and give it to President Trump, if that were the goal, most definitely that goal would be succeeded. Of course, we see through and through and all throughout the numerous amounts of pushback, the, uh, the copious amounts of lies and propaganda that the mainstream media puts out there as they repeat their big lie which is that there was no evidence of fraud in the 2020 election. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, is a big lie, okay? If there was ever a lie that was bigger than that, I don't know. I'm not privy to it. But indeed, ladies and gentlemen, that big lie stands. And of course, people will believe that but here we go, guys. That's what this is all about. That's what that long game, that's what that perseverance. <laughs> when you're fighting against the lies and the father of the lies, ladies and gentlemen, you do what you can, but you don't give up, right? So we're going to keep on presenting it and presenting it and presenting it. And the funny part, it's not funny to some people, I get it. But the funny part is that even with the big bodies and masses of information that has dropped in regards to these lies, the fraud I'm speaking about that they call non-existent, it continues, it presses on, and more and more little uh, veins of fraud come out. More and more veins. In fact, it's to the point that where the rhino GOP, whether it be at the state level or at the federal level, well, we already know the federal rhinos, the RNC and all that have totally dis, uh, they have totally uh, shirked their responsibilities. They have totally not done their job. And we go back down to the state level. Even so, as they have shirked their responsibilities, as they have absconded of their duties, dereliction by any other term of phrase, we're doing the investigations for them. We're investigating everything. We're the ones who are asking the questions. We're the ones who are presenting the facts. We're the ones digging in. We're the ones who are pulling up whether that be by uh, you know freedom of information or whether that be just by public research and knowledge requests, we're the ones doing the legwork, guys, and we have not stopped. And that, my friends, is the good part. That, my friends, is the part, the point of encouragement is that where, uh, you know, uh, a state investigative bureau, where a state, uh, a state uh, a committee, where a political party, is not doing their job. We, the people, are filling in for them. And we should take that as a lesson that uh, we, the people, can do this. We can do this, guys. We're doing it. We are doing it, okay? And um, you might be wondering where all, this, uh, where all this vigor and vim is coming from right now. And uh, all I can say, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, the story that's uh, folding, unfolding out of Georgia 
the story that we're going to share with you guys today is 100% proof perfect about the information that we can find if we apply ourselves and we press forward with it uh, and, and the knowledge that we can obtain if we have the follow through because we're doing the job for them. How can they deny it when we have done their job for them? Oh, they can deny it. But, um, well, ladies and gentlemen, it's a, it's a lesson to the deep state as well. It's a lesson to the globalists and the elite, and they may not listen. They may not choose to learn this lesson. They may choose to ignore it as long and as deep as they can. But the fact of the matter is, is that the American people are not sleeping anymore. Do we need 100% of the American people in order for us to be awake? No. Do we need 100% of the people to be aware and awake and uh, fighting alongside with us? No, we don't. When revolution time came back in 1776 and uh, probably probably in a, a few years before that, right? Did it take 100% of all of the American uh, immigrants, pilgrims, if you want to call them that? Did it take 100% of them? To start that revolution? Did it take 100% of them to say we've had enough? No, there were probably people back then that were calling uh, George Washington and the likes uh, conspiracy theorists themselves. I don't know what they would have called them back in that day. We didn't have the CIA in the 1960s to create a conspiracy theory um, or a tinfoil hat umbrella to stuff people like us underneath. What do you think they called them back then? If they weren't conspiracy theorists, perhaps they were, uh, I don't know, perhaps they were, I don't know, I, I guess, is my brain too fried tonight, guys? Because I can't even think of what they would have called them. <laughs> what do you think the naysayers called George Washington, y'all? They didn't call him a conspiracy theorist, that's for dang sure. <laughs> they had to have called him something else. Oh, man, someone you guys can be creative for me out there. But uh, we have a good show for you guys tonight. A few stories. It's going to be a light show tonight. I, I can see us finishing about you know, 9.30 on time tonight, central time, of course. Uh, but uh, we have a couple of stories, um, a very, very few Trump statements for you guys today. I think we actually caught up with the Trump statements, right? Now, that's not to say that there aren't other things going on around, uh, you know, the good old, the good old headline soup box. Because after all, the news has just been rolling since about uh, mid-September. It's been non-stop, guys. Non-stop. The news has been non-stop. I was uh, actually, I was actually um, rolling through a lot of the headlines that I have to share with you guys. I was able to consolidate a lot. I've covered a lot. We're getting there. We're catching up. We'll be getting into another C-Report live digs very soon. The next live digs, I can tell you, is probably not going to be the Secretary of State's part two. But it will be a very interesting live digs nonetheless. One that I'm particularly interested in digging into because, uh, well, we'll explain that when we get there for sure. For sure, you know. But uh, in light of that, you know, let's, uh, what, what else do we got going on uh, um, around the entire block? You know, we had the, uh, we had the, um, uh, 
Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, you know, um, um, court uh, date uh, and uh, and everything that went with that, you know, not not covering that tonight. Uh, we still got a lot of the uh, Charlie Victor Diasinueva stuff coming up. We've got uh, Dr. Farsi coming under fire by all means, guys. And uh, yeah, it's, it's almost to the point of a setup, which is quite interesting. Kind of makes you wonder what the heck is going on here. What the heck is going on here? That this is all lining up almost perfectly. You know, we have uh, we have uh, Project Veritas news. You know, a lot of stuff going on. You know, we we I, I actually like this. We had a student calling out Mike Pence. Now, guys, guys, ladies and gentlemen, don't take this the wrong way. I was very thrilled to see that student calling out Mike Pence as a turncoat, and uh, of course, I thought Mike Pence's response was a total cop out. You know. He 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 wants to uh, he wants to say that he's more of a federalist than a statesman. Fine, Mike. Whatever you want to say, whatever you want to say. If you're all for big federal government, you know I don't understand why you're a conservative, but whatever. Okay, what well, if you want to play in those bounds? There are a lot of us that are not going to respect that as per the Constitution. So let it be. Whatever, Mike. Whatever, you know. Uh, but. Uh, how many of you people trust Mike Pence out there? How many of you people actually think that what he was doing saved our country and was uh, the right thing to do, right? And uh, anyways, I bring that point up not just because the student had enough guts to call him out. And we're not going to play the video. It's there, guys. You can go find it. I'm sure other people have played it. Particularly if you're watching over on Foxhole or on Pill.net, you've probably already seen it. But um, just think about it, guys. Um, I had come across a very old um, tweet. I think it was a tweet. It might not have been a tweet. It was kind of long for a tweet. Uh, but it was, from, uh, it was from someone who's pretty notable in the Patriot community. Uh, someone who is rather trusted, I believe. And uh, I, I, did I retweet it? If I didn't retweet it, I popped it on the Instagram, right? And, and basically, it was uh, this guy saying, uh, we have to hold the course. We have to we have to assure any shaky patriots that we can still trust Mike Pence. Do you guys trust Mike Pence out there? Am I the only one sitting out on a limb? Am I the only one who hears Alanis Morissette's Unforgiven when I hear the Let's Go Brandon song? I'm not dissing it. I'm just calling it like I hear it, right? So anyways, anyways, yeah, yeah, I don't trust Mike Pence for nothing. Anyways, it was Code Monkey Z who said that. Ron Watkins was the one who's like, we need to ensure that the Patriots still trust Pence. We need to get this news out there so that Patriots don't lose faith in him. Ah, that's why I don't listen to uh, talking heads and other, yeah, I, I trust my gut, you know, I trust my gut. I'm not pooping on the code monkey Z Ron Watkins. I'm not, but uh, discernment guys, or, or is it Patriot with the Y paycheck time? Trust Mike pants. Okay. Uh, do you guys need me to show you the statement? I'll show it to you. I have absolutely no problem with that. You guys know, if anything, I, <laughs> I like to back up what I say. 
I don't just like to say it, you know, uh, but most of the time, and uh, this is something that I've said for years, guys, is I trust my sources. I know what sources not to trust, but I just want to make sure you guys don't think I'm blowing it out my butt. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, come on. Really? It's going to make me log in. I don't want to do that. Okay, let's see if we can't open this up and then I'm going to come home. What a dirge. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. And then we'll move on because we don't got a lot of time, right? We don't have a lot of time. I don't even know. Okay, how about this? There we go. Uh, is it going to work? Dang it. Didn't think it would. How about this? Bollocks. I'm going to fail you guys like you've never. No, just kidding. I'm, like, I'm going to fail you guys like I've never failed before. Hmm. 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 Let me check this one real quick. I'll bring it to you. I will bring it to you no matter what. You guys know I do. Okay. Where are you at? Where are you at, boy? Where is you at? He not there. <laughs> He's not there. Oh, Lordy. Okay. Well, may maybe I'll bring that to you at some point. Oh, we had a pretty good discussion yesterday about uh, Wisconsin. I have I have one I have one uh, Wisconsin story for you guys tonight. Just because I'm desperately trying to wrap up our election fraud, but they keep frauding. They keep defrauding. I think, if anything, the one thing that we should have taken away from yesterday's C report, and perhaps you took it away from other stories and such like that, uh, was that, um, let me think, New Jersey, okay? As I went back and I looked at everything about New Jersey, and I really focused in on some things that we could glean from the fraud that happened in New Jersey, because you know, with New Jersey, the fraud was so blatant and in our face, right? That uh, we should definitely be able to identify it. But we learned something yesterday. We learned something invaluable yesterday about New Jersey. And it was something I think that, um, we needed to know. And it had absolutely nothing to do with the fraud specific to election 2021 for New Jersey. But what it did have to do was the general fraud that the state of New Jersey has most likely participated in for who knows how long. And that was the shutting down of voting machines. Now, the voting machines in New Jersey shut down in every county, in every election. That is what the county clerk of Essex said, which makes you think and stop or stop and think. What do you mean it happens in every county, in every election? Okay. Now, in Essex County in New Jersey, as we covered last night in the Sea Report, they had 56 voting machines, 56 different precincts 
where they had to shut down their voting machines with no excuse given. And then the recourse from those voting machines shutting down was they'll go to a warehouse. Then we'll figure out what data is missing. And then a judge will approve us to go in and retrieve that data and add it to the count. We have until November 18th to do it. My main thought right here, guys, is that we just learned something very specific and valuable, invaluable about elections in New Jersey. And that is on the regular, they have bamboozled New Jerseyans by shutting down voting machines, sending them to a warehouse, waiting for a judge to authorize their retrieval of data, and then adding it to the vote. Who knows how long they've been doing that? But perhaps there was such a strong turnout against Governor Murphy that they had to get cartoonish. And aside from dumping, what, 40,000 ballots in Bergen County, they had to shut down 56 voting machines in a sex and no telling how many other counties this happened in, in order to give the vote to Murphy. Very important information about the way that they have been bamboozling New Jerseyans for God knows how long. We don't know how long they've been doing this. The Essex County clerk made it sound like he was very aware that this was the kind of shenanigans that were going on in New Jersey, but uh, that there was nothing that they could really do about it. Which, ladies and gentlemen, is a cop-out and a shame, but it is exactly what we saw. And so through this experience, not only are we monitoring the fraud that happened in New Jersey in their governor race in 2021, we are also seeing how they may have been handling all of their elections for an un um, unnameable amount of time and fooling us into believing that things happen the way they happen when they are happening for a reason. Anyways, here's that thing I was talking about. Let me go ahead and pull this up on the screen so you can see it. I had some words to say about that myself. Uh, but I'm at the point, guys, where I'm like, let's get rid of these. Let's get rid of these grifters, right? You want to talk about a grifter? Now, I'm not calling him a grifter. But think about this. This this came back out in the day from Code Monkey Z. Let's just, let's just, let's just consider it. We're not calling any shots. We're not calling any sides. But, you know, I've made some pretty crazy statements about the Taliban that not many people agree with. We'll wait for history to choose a side on that one. But I think history's already chosen a side on this point, okay? And uh, let me see if I can expand that anymore. Yeah, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not calling anyone out. I am just laying out the information on the table, okay? For everyone to consider, that's what I do. We ask the questions here at the C-Report. We don't make any assumptions. Although speculation does run rampant sometimes. Trying to cut back down on that. So uh, I still think he's a good guy. But uh, here's what it said. Things are moving today. Trump is at Cheyenne Mountain, which is where the Stargate is also, by the way, in case you didn't know. Uh, Trump is at Cheyenne Mountain as we speak, looking at the evidence taken from Pelosi's laptop real time. 
My sources say Pelosi was stopped at the border last night at 11.55 and will be headed to an undisclosed location pending the tribunals and trails. I'm sure he meant trials. Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood are in front of military judges today. The 195 sealed indictments, I know there are higher numbers out there, but are but not all are related to this op, and there will be sweeping arrests before the weekend is over. There will be sweeping arrests before the weekend is over. Everyone should stock up today and be prepared to hunker down for 10 to 12 days while the Trump team takes action and the new government is put in place. For those wondering, Pence did his duty. So saith Code Monkey Z Ron Watkins. He did not betray Trump. Without his actions, there would be there would have been no insurrection. Um, without his actions, there would have been no insurrection. So I'm guessing Ron Watkins wanted an insurrection based on that statement. And it sounds like if we were calling for an insurrection, like the mainstream media is calling it, well, we wouldn't be where we are right now, right? Anyways, his statement continues, now Trump has them where he wants them, which if you look, it'll be what, a year and a couple of months, right, from that uh, January 6th Capitol Day false flag riot. Does he? I mean, I think he does, but I don't get what this guy's talking about. He says, share this. Share on Twitter and on other social media outlets so real patriots Stay strong and stay the course and keep faith in Pence. The storm is upon us. And that's why I don't do that, guys. I don't I don't say the storm is here. I don't say 10 days is here. I don't none of that. You know, and, and maybe I have a little bit of a privilege, not white privilege, not male privilege, not man spreading and not mansplaining. Uh, but I didn't figure out uh, what Q was until what, like 2019. Okay. For perspective, yeah. The storm is upon us. Keep faith in Pence, says Real Code Monkey Z, Ron Watkins. That's all I was talking about. That's all I was talking about. It's all about discernment, guys. Follow your gut, follow your heart. The gut's usually a little bit more accurate than the heart, though, if I may say so. And, uh, Follow your sea sense, guys. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyways, guys. I yeah, I do <laughs> Veronique. <laughs> Veronique's like Mr. C watches too much sci-fi channel. <laughs> well, you know, Warehouse 13, is that the same thing as the men's warehouse? No, just kidding. <laughs> you guys are great. Let me say hello to the audience real quick before we get into today's show. We got Veronique in the house. It looks like I'm missing some chat already. Jeez Louise, I'm missing about 15 minutes chat at the head. Sorry, guys, for anyone who spilled in early and on time. Good evening. Hello, hello, and how are you doing? We got uh, the speaking easy. What's going on, brother? We got Veronique in the house. We got Pilled by the Rabbit. Uh, but there were secret societies. Uh, I'm not sure what that's in reference to, but good to see you. Two flowers. Good afternoon. Good evening, sir. How you doing? It's good evening now, right? We're Texas time here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, who else? Who else? Who else is hanging out in the back? Thank you for the can, Veronica. I appreciate you. 
two two rivers i said two flowers sorry buddy two rivers says uh what did you say here two rivers two rivers oh sherry pittsburgh hey sherry pittsburgh i saw you were the first one in darling so good evening and welcome that's what cornyn said and that is why that tramp is a rhino oh we know cornyn's a rhino like cornyn is a rhino like there is cornyn's like a, an extinct rhino no you know what rhinos in politics are not so extinct guys they would have us believe that the white rhino is going extinct. They would have us believe that the black rhino is going extinct. It's not. It's alive and well. It makes up the majority. I would say, I would say 98% of our current federal and state legislative body are made up of rhinos. And yet we had this what psychological operation that made us believe they were going extinct. Nah, they ain't extinct. Rhinos are alive and well. Republicans in name only. Conservatives in name only. Even Democrats in name only. They're all they're all alive and well. They've been teeming like uh, like they're like they're in uh, I don't know they're like in some sub subtropic Antarctic land uh, where they've been just there the whole time. Yeah, well we'll, we'll get into that tonight. I'm sure, right? <laughs> I mean, when we're in the dark, guys, when we're in the dark, we'll get into that tonight. I'm sure. I'm sure. Alive and well, these rhinos are. And uh, Cornyn has got to go. We've already got his number. We already know he's trying to replace the 4th of July with Juneteenth. We already know he's taking money from a lot of uh, uh, big uh, financing corporations and uh, firms. We already know a lot about uh, Cornyn. We're going to get him out. As, as quick as we can, but they are thick as thieves, those rhinos. They are thick as thieves. Let's see here. No to Pence. Mike's going to go down, says Veronica. Yeah, no one likes Pence. Hey, Sonia JC, how you doing? You No, you're not alone. Oh, thank you, Sonia. I appreciate you. Thanks for joining us all on this Friday evening. Uh, Pence, Ryan, McConnell, they all need to retire and fade away in the background, says Veronique. Veronique, I would say may justice be served against any of these fools. May justice be served. We'll leave it there, right? We want justice served, right? I don't want them to, uh, I don't want them to, uh, you know, uh, get coronavirus or anything like that. Ah, dang it. <laughs> I just got a strike on ScrewTube. I need to cut it off. I need to cut it off. We're going we're gonna to cut off ScrewTube in a minute. We're live on ScrewTube at the moment. If you're watching us over at YouTube right now, just, just so you know, we're going to cut that channel off in just a minute because we're going to be talking about things that they're a little bit sensitive to over there. Uh, and uh, you can catch us on Twitch, Clout Hub, DLive, Trovo, uh, or do yourself a favor and go to pill.net or the foxhole.app and make yourself a free account. And then uh, you'll get to join in on the fun conversation that I'm having right now. And you'll also be amongst a, uh, a pretty, uh, pretty awesome body of patriots and a supportive community. But it's all about the First Amendment, you know. It's all about the First Amendment. It's all about freedom of speech. It's about me being able to sit up here and talk about Charlie Victor Diecinueve and not get censored. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, let's let's start jumping in. Let's let's start let's start switching gears, guys, so that we can jump into today's uh, show. 
and uh, we can get to uh, we can get to uh, some of the news. We got we've got a pretty heavy story with Georgia tonight, guys. I've been promising you guys Georgia and election fraud. We're gonna get into it. A pretty heavy story with Georgia and election fraud. Uh, and we also have a Trump interview to share with you guys tonight. It's about 15 minutes long. It's not a long one. Uh, he's talking with the, um, what, are, what, is, what is the name of this? Uh, the post-millennial. It's an interesting conversation, guys. It's actually a little bit different. I don't know how many of you guys are aware of and or have heard of and or read the post-millennial. Uh, but uh, one of their, their guys did an interview with President Trump. And, and, and oy vey. It is that kind of an interview. It's a different perspective. They're like, uh, they're like, they're like um, talking about. Well, you'll see, you'll see. I, I don't have enough. Uh, I don't have enough uh, isms in that department that I can pull out of my hat right now. <laughs> Oi, Gavelt! <laughs> is that enough for you to know where we're going with this? Yeah. That's going to be the kind of uh, that's going to be the kind of conversation that uh, President Trump has with the post millennial. So we'll take a look at that interview. We'll get into Georgia. We'll do one more Wisconsin story on fraud, and we'll call it a wrap for the night, guys. It'll be a good night. It'll be a quick night. I think so. Glad to have you guys along with us. It's always always a pleasure, guys. So, <laughs> Veronique. Oh, did I thank you for gifting that can, Veronique? Thank you so much, Veronique. Gifted two cans. Thank you for keeping me nice and refreshed, Miss Veronique. I appreciate you. And uh, positive vibes seventy two. Thanks for uh, being here. Good to see you. Let's see here. Uh, KCDFENZ is that KC Defends? KC Defends is in the house. Good evening. I haven't seen you in the chat. Good to see you there. Welcome, welcome in. I'm sure you'll get uh, nice and comfy. And uh, we'll be good to go on that end. Uh, what did, KC said something. KC said, a sex sounds like Tex-Mex. That wasn't KC. <laughs> that was someone else. But I like the way that sounds, Tex-Mex. A sex sounds like Tex-Mex. I'll tell you what a sex sounds like. A sex, a sex sounds like it smells like fraud is what it sounds like to me. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. I get it. Casey Defense says uh, he had to let them commit crime by certifying. Okay. 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 Casey Defense, I can, I can take, I can accept that answer. I can accept it. I can accept it. I can accept it. Code Monkey Z. I know, just kidding. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, always in Texas. Good evening and welcome. No need to apologize uh, for, I mean, you know, we started a few minutes late. It's okay if people come in a few minutes late. Stargate indeed, pilled by the rabbit over there in the Cheyenne Mountains. You know it, my friend. You know it. Uh, let's see here. What else do we got before we get into the rest of the news? Well, before we get into the news, period. I think we're good. Uh, Sonia JHC says, I sent Cornyn an email yesterday and told him he wasn't working for We the People. Not one more election. Yeah, no, he needs to go. He needs to go. Uh, I, I sent this fool, John Cornyn, uh, my thoughts on election integrity in the state of Texas and the way that we've been bamboozled and been uh, handling it in the state. And I'm quite ashamed by what they've been doing to us here in Texas. 
And um, I'm quite ashamed that none of us Texans woke up to it sooner than now, you know. Uh, but I, I know this man does not stand for election integrity. Just about nobody in the Texas body of lawmakers stands for election integrity. Just about nobody. John Cornyn, of course, never responded. Ted Cruz responded. John Cornyn never did. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're right, Two Rivers. 100%, sir. Cornyn will probably tell you the same he told the rest of us. I'm a federalist. Mm-hmm. That means I stand for big government. That's exactly what Pence said. <laughs> Peeled by the rabbit, you get your twerk on, buddy. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys, we're already going to approach an hour. Let's jump into today's show. As always, President Trump leads here at the Sea Report. We've only got like one statement from President Trump today. He was uh, he was he was rather silent. But let's see what he had to say, guys. Here's our statement from President Trump. He says the Democrat politicians of this country spend 99 percent of their time fighting Republicans and no time thinking about making our country great. If they would spend half that energy fighting China, Russia, Iran, and even the European Union, where the U.S. just dropped all tariffs, oh man, we would go back to greatness again. Instead, they are weak with everybody except conservatives. Our country has become the laughingstock of the world. And I might add, ladies and gentlemen, not only have we become the laughingstock of the world, okay, but we are in danger, America. You in danger, like seriously, guys. Seriously, very much so in danger. You know, every now and then there comes a time in life where you have conversations with people and things just start to click, right? Things just start to click. And we're in danger, guys. Now, I'm not saying this to uh, be a fear monger, to be a black pillar, to, to inflict upon your soul and your frequency and vibrations, the negative tones and energies that will bring down your soul to a negative sphere of, of existence. I'm not saying that for this. I am telling you because there's a tornado on the hill and it's not moving left to right. It's standing still. And you know what they say about a tornado that's standing still. It's either coming right for you or it's coming away from you. And in most instances, when that tornado is not moving left to right on the horizon and it's standing still, it's coming right for you. And uh, I'm that lady who's like, the apartment was on fire. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> gotta get my Totino's pizza, not today, right? That's me, okay? It's not about fear, it's about awareness, okay? It's about being aware, and that is what is important. So when I say America, you in danger, girl, I mean, you need to be aware. And I know you guys are. I'm not saying specific to any body of audience, but to those in general who are just getting the ears to hear, who are just gaining the eyes to see, we are in danger. Um, we, I don't know. I, I tend to take for granted personally. I tend to take for granted personally the position that we are in, going through all the headlines, reading all the stories, uh, going through all the news, 
I take for granted the position that our country is in when we have the representation of the leadership that we have. Now, consider this. Consider this. If a country like Russia, who has always been an enemy of the New World Order, the elitists, the globalists, who has always been an enemy of the eugenicists that tried to wipe out their own people, the country of Russia, if their enemy is the elitist, globalist, New World Order, whatever you want to call them, and they see beyond a shadow of a doubt that the United States of America, which has been controlled by that hand for decades, except for the four-year reprieve that we had from President Trump, if they see that America that has been controlled by such for decades and is now in a position of weakness and susceptibility underneath the uh, leadership, and I use that word loosely, of one uh, illegitimate joke Biden, okay? Their time to attack would be now, okay? And it's not because they want to attack America, and it's not because they want to be the dominant world power over America, although I'm sure that that is also some of the driving reason but say they have to take out the globalist banker eugenicists that once inflicted their land, right? That brought about a Bolshevik massacre, right? Same people. Don't you think that if they realize that America was weak and it's being run by their natural enemies that they should strike us? We're in danger underneath the leadership of illegitimate Joe Biden, who is a puppet for the New World Order globalist elitists body of uh, eugenicists. Okay, we're in big danger. Okay. Under President Trump, we had a reprieve, but not only was he a strong military leader, not only did he give us the strong leadership that commanded respect from the rest of the world, but he also had the globalists at bay. And Putin could say, you know what? Maybe America's going to be okay. Maybe we can be allies against our both common natural enemy, the globalist elitist eugenicists. But now Trump is gone. And now the NWO elitist globalists eugenicists are in control of America again. So why not strike? Okay. So we're going to have those kind of conversations upcoming on Sunday, guys. I'm going to tell you guys again, we're going to have a special guest here on Mr. CTV. And that's going to be, again, one Everett Triplet will be joining us on Sunday. And we're going to have a conversation unlike which I've ever had here on this channel. It's going to be a conversation like I have never had on this channel. And it's going to be the direct links between the awareness and the warning call that we need to be heeding in respect to scripture and verse. So I hope you guys will join us on Sunday for that uh, conversation. I'm very much so looking forward to it. We're going to have a an hour presentation, which will serve as a primer to the discussion and interview that I will have with Everett Triplett. So I hope you guys will be joining us. I'll give you guys the dates on this. We're like, what, two days away, guys. I'm very excited. It's going to be sometime around Sunday afternoon, Texas time. 
but you guys get ready for it because it's going to blow your mind. Okay. It's going to blow your mind. I can't tell you the number of times that chills ran up and down my body when I was talking to this man. It's going to be a very interesting conversation. But that is something for consideration with uh, this statement from President Trump. And it's all very true. We're weak, weak, weak. And we're the laughing stock of the world. We don't even need to talk about Rachel Levin, right? Being the first woman, four-star admiral, blah, 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 right? Just like Greta Thunberg. <laughs> all right. And consulting with some of my colleagues, associates, and friends... It seems that snakes is a very big theme here at the Sea Report. <laughs> well, here's another snake. Oh, wait, we already knew that. Judge Janine Pirro. Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on with this woman now? Why is she on the screen? I almost find it non... You guys know I don't believe in coincidences, right? So I almost find it such a coincidence. <laughs> that this woman is making headlines for President Trump right now. Now, you guys might be wondering, what do you mean she's making headlines for President Trump? You know, she just had an interview with President Trump not too long ago. We aired two of them here at the Sea Report. One was incidental, right? But uh, it seems that because of some involvement that uh, one shill harpy, Justice Janine, or Judge Janine, um, had with President Trump some arrangement she made for he and people involved in his uh, defense against election fraud in 2020. Well, it appears that uh, that's coming back on us. And all I can say from that, guys, is that uh, did this woman do this intentionally? Intentionally. Now, this story, guys, oh, and I forgot to preface my report uh, with this. We're getting tonight's stories from Uncovered DC, The Gateway Pundit, The Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and The Washington Compost. I think that's all of them for tonight. Not too many. But why The Washington Compost? Why would we even bother, right? Well, we got to telegraph our enemies' moves as well, guys, right? And so that's why we talk about some things that they publish. Now... In a story from the Washington Compost, which was also subsequently published and talked about in the spit rag, otherwise known as Salon, we see that because of some of the actions that Judge Janine took, that uh, there are people who are looking to litigate against President Trump and that she has put his defense in jeopardy when we're talking about his campaign as well as his fight against election fraud. Justice Judge Janine. I keep calling her Justice. Justice. Judge Janine. Hi, I'm Judge. Well, Judge Janine, guys, I tell you, she's, she's good at her job, and she's there to telegraph his moves and get information out of him that maybe other people are not as able-bodied when it comes to... Uh, phishing and stuff like that for information. But but now it seems her involvement uh, during the entire election fraud um, 
uh, hearings that were happening in late 2020 have put uh, President Trump again in the face of possible litigation. So while this story is still at the head, we're going to talk about it because quite often these stories at the head that we talk about here on the Sea Report have some follow through. They don't seem to go anywhere, but they make headlines. And uh, we want to get ahead of the spin and the propaganda that the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media will push about this story. And it's coming, guys. It's coming. This one's fresh off the presses. Okay. Now, it appears that when former New York City mayor, Rudy Giuliani, good old Rudy, right? I love Rudy. And also ex-New York City police chief, Bernie Carrick. Now, Bernie Carrick, guys, in case you don't remember, Bernie Carrick, the last time we saw him, he was standing side by side with Vernon Jones in the Veteran Memorial Coliseum doing a walkthrough of the forensic audit in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. Last time we saw Bernie Carrick, he was watching Vernon Jones shut down an Arizona local support, a local reporter that was uh, trying to ask him all kinds of silly questions. Okay. So Bernie Carrick, he was also a first responder during 9-11. Okay. Bernie Carrick, guys. So now, According to this story, when former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani and ex-New York City Police Chief Bernie Carrick found themselves out of thousands of dollars on hotel rooms and travel costs for their uh, efforts to, uh, we're not even going to say efforts. That, okay, Washington Compost says efforts. Salon.com says efforts to overturn Donald Trump's election loss. We don't believe that here, right? He was defending, right? He was defending his his uh, his election against the theft that the Democrats had put on against him and the people of America. Um, it appears that Judge Janine Pirro stepped up to the plate, okay? And Judge Janine Pirro, basically what she did was she um, she arranged, right? She arranged for money to be given to Giuliani and Carrick in order to take care of their traveling needs and expenses, okay? She she arranged for the Trump campaign to reimburse Carrick and Giuliani payments according to Salon and according to the Washington Compost that jeopardize President Trump's claim to executive privilege. So there's a lot of stuff going on here in this story, guys. Because of the actions of this woman, we now have President Trump's intentions being called into question. We now have President Trump's claims of executive privilege being called into question. Okay. I don't like this woman. Not since January 6, 2020. Okay. Uh, 2021. When I saw this woman outright viciously seethe like a serpent spitting out her poison against patriots to which she knew nothing about what was going on in, uh, in, in, in the Capitol on Capitol Day false flags. This woman didn't know what was going on. She had no idea. When I watched what she was saying, I was like, this woman is, is spinning a story. She's telling a narrative. She's pushing a narrative. 
And I lost all respect for her. And she lost my loyalties that day because she was not loyal to America. She was not loyal to the American people. She was not loyal to the Constitution. She's out. Okay. She's out. I won't even, I will not even watch her show or play clips. I only played clips of her with President Trump because we will archive the words of our president. But I don't need, like Tucker Carlson, even though he's best friends with, the, you know, H.R. Biden, and even though he knew where Biden was the entire time, everyone was like, well, where's, where's the hunting hunter, right? Well, he knew. Carlson knew where he was. But Piero, I won't even stomach, okay? I won't even stomach. I'll stomach Maria Bartiromo. I'll stomach Tucker Carlson. I will even stomach Hannity, only for interviews with President Trump. But I will not even acknowledge this shill harpy anymore, guys. I will not even acknowledge her. She does not exist to me. She's done, okay? And now we have this story that her special arrangements are totally jeopardizing President Trump. Now, is it is it something that will hold? You know, we know nothing sticks to Teflon Don, right? So we don't know. Maybe this won't hold. But you know, the mainstream, lamestream, fake news media, they're going to run with it. They're going to try and run with this big propaganda lie just to see if it sticks and if they can get away with it. And that's the name of the game for them. And that's usually what they do 100% of the time. That's what they do, okay? Now, according to this article by the Washington Compost and, 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 and Spallon.com, it says that in all more than $225,000 in campaign cash went to both Giuliani and Carrick. That included close to $50,000 for suites at the Tony Willard Hotel in Washington, D.C., which Trump's inner circle took to calling the command center, according to reports. Now, before Pirro intervened, the Washington Compost reports that both men became increasingly concerned that Trump might stiff them. Pirro who remains a favorite of the former president after years of watching the conservative network was able to secure payments by calling the Republican National Committee chairwoman Romney Rona McDaniel who suggested that Carrick and Giuliani get the campaign cover get the campaign to cover their expenses so now we have them attacking president Trump because of campaign finances this doesn't even have to do with the executive privilege, okay? Now they're going to say that this insurrection was part of a campaign for re-election, okay? Now they're going to use this angle, okay? And this was an idea that came from Rona McDaniels, that's Mitt Romney's niece, who runs the RNC, who also needs to go. Rhino, it's rhino hunting season, okay? So we got that one caveat there. And then uh, we have uh, Piero teaming up with Rona to see if they can't get this done. Piero puts in a good word for them. Rona says, okay, well, let's get the campaign to pay for it. And then, oh, all of a sudden we have some kind of campaign finance misdemeanor or discrepancy, okay? Now, um, of course, Piero denies that she acted on behalf of Giuliani or Carrick. And uh, the article goes on to say the fact that campaign funds were used to finance efforts to subvert Biden's victory could complicate the former president's ongoing attempt to use claims of executive privilege to shield documents and testimony from congressional committee investigations 
into the January 6th Justice for Juicy Capital Day false flag riots. Isn't that something, guys? Isn't that something? How this snake, Shill, Harpy, Janine Pirro, and Rona Romney McDaniels was able to finagle and arrange this type of a uh, transaction that would later on be used against President Trump in order to subvert his claims of executive privilege. Experts say that the payments imperil Trump's assertion of executive privilege in withholding hundreds of command center documents. Can you say witch hunt, ladies and gentlemen? They're still on with this witch hunt? Jeez Louise, ladies and gentlemen, does it ever end? Do we ever stop? No, we will not stop as long as they will not end. We will not stop until they end. That's it. That's all there is to it, ladies and gentlemen. So we're just sharing this information with you guys. This story will probably blow up. I bet you it'll probably get bigger. This is, this is just the preface, guys. This is just the preface. It's hot off the press today. You will hear more about this on other shows and programs. You will hear more about this on other live streams from other content creators soon. But this is the preface, guys. This is what they're setting up for a major conversation on the mainstream legacy networks. And they're going to lose. You know they're going to lose. They lose every time. Did Cy Vance Jr. get away with uh, indicting President Trump like he wanted to? No. Has uh, has AG or has DA Letitia James over there in New York had any success with what she's trying to do? No. The only one who's had any modicum of success was the uh, DA that represented the little Mexicans that got PO'd because, you know, President Trump's security you know, tore up their cardboard sign. And all they got was a deposition from President Trump. They didn't get any charges. It's not going to hold. I doubt this is going to hold. But this is going to be a talking point moving forward because they're trying to find more ways to incriminate President Trump for the January 6th false flag riots. That's what we're seeing right here. And so I thought I would just share the story with you guys. And I would also let you know how the shill harpy Justice Janine, Judge Janine Judy Pirro, Judge Janine Pew, <laughs> Judge Janine Judy, let you know how she's tied into that, guys. And they're going to use it to attack his executive privilege. They're going to use it to attack his campaign financing just to bring him down even more. And, you know, because they're scared, guys, they know, they know 2021 is coming. We're not done yet, guys, but we are almost there. We're not done yet, but we are almost there. Most definitely, y'all. All right, guys. We're going to take a look at the uh, interview with President Trump over at the post-millennial. It's, it's a different type of interview, guys. I got to say, I, uh, I, I enjoy it when we hear different types of conversations with President Trump, whether or not they're entertaining, right? <laughs> I enjoy them. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to check this one out, and then we're going to get into the rest of the stories for tonight. Uh, for those of you who are joining us over on YouTube, we're cutting it out now. I've already said more. I should just run the whole show, but we're going to get into so much EF after this uh, conversation. I got to cut it. Okay. I got to cut it. So uh, let me go ahead. We're going to turn off YouTube right now. Screw tube. Screw ya. Goodbye. <laughs> and there they go. 
Bye bye, ScrewTube. It was good having you with us tonight. You're gone. Okay, let's go ahead and get this. Uh, let's get this interview a rolling because we've got a lot to cover with Georgia guys. It's going to be a doozy. So get yourselves ready. There's a lot of new fraud that's been coming out of Georgia. Decertify Georgia now. Decertify Wisconsin now. Decertify Michigan now. Okay. And we should have decertified Arizona already. All right. Let's see what we got here, guys. President Trump with the post-millennial. Take one. On Talk Radio 570 KVI. Remember, if you missed any part of the show, you can always get the podcast over at Google, Apple, Spotify, all your favorite podcast platforms. And we are streaming our video over on Rumble.com. I have been looking forward to this interview for a very, very long time. It is such an honor to welcome to 570 KVI on the genuine Autoglass studio line, the 45th president of the United States, Mr. Donald Trump. Thank you so much for being with us today, sir. Thank you, Ari, very much. Appreciate it. You know, I have to say, Mr. President, so much happened during your tenure that I want to start locally. (laughs) And I want to bring up first what happened with the autonomous zone here in Seattle, because there's some gaps that I'm trying to understand. It seems like you said that you were going to go in and we were going to break the thing up, that whole terrorist mess over there. And then the very next day, Mayor Jenny Durkin said, no, no, we're going in to take care of this. You had federal agents on the ground. They said, we don't want the federal agents on the ground. What are we missing there from what happened behind the scenes? So I wanted to go in immediately and we couldn't get her to agree. And uh, just one of those things. And Jay Inslee, I think he's terrible. I think he does a terrible job. So you know how I feel about him probably very much like you feel about him, Mm -hmm. but we could not get her to do it. And eventually we were all set to go and they knew we were all set to go, meaning the bad guys. Okay. They knew it and they left the next morning. So we were all set to go in sometime during that day, but they left the next morning. What they did was disgraceful that they could have gotten away, taking a major portion of a major city, I would say a great city, but when things like that happen, you can lose your reputation very quickly as a city and as a person. So we had a lot of problems with her. She didn't want to do what had to be done. And uh, the same thing with your governor. A lot of problems with those people. It doesn't surprise me, especially since our governor didn't even seem to know it was happening when he was asked about it during a press conference. Mr. President. That was the big thing. He never knew what was happening. They took over part of the big city. In your state, and he didn't he didn't have a clue. I don't know what's going on. Let me check it out, okay? Uh, that whole thing was, uh, as I say, it was rigged. It was not good, and it should have gone much quicker. We, we wanted to go in immediately, but she just didn't want to do that. And, you know, people were killed. Uh, bad things happened. Uh, it was horrible for the reputation of, I think, just a beautiful place, a beautiful city. But... It's not as beautiful as it used to be. Let's face it, Ari. It's, uh, you know, when you look at what's going on, you look at the crime stats, you look at other things. It's not as beautiful as it once was. I agree, sir. And I moved here to get away from the kind of crime I dealt with living in certain parts of Manhattan. So it's even more disappointing to me. Well, we talk about this station in particular. We recently got hacked along with hundreds of other stations across the country by the same Russian hackers that have been causing problems across the country. Antifa's leading defamatory boycott campaigns against conservative news outlets like my outlet, the Post Millennial that I write for, the Daily Wire, many others. They're targeting their advertisers' revenues and attempts to silence them from telling the truth. What can conservatives do to fight back against such malicious and violent people? 
Well, what's really happening now is our country is no longer respected with what Biden is doing and with what he did with so many different elements. I, I, look, to me, the lowest point in the history of our country was with the withdrawal from Afghanistan. And, you know, I was getting us out, too, but we were going to get out with tremendous strength and dignity. We were taking all of our equipment. We wouldn't have lost soldiers. And, you know, something they don't talk about, we have over 20 soldiers who lost arms and legs and sometimes both and it's a horrible, horrible thing that took place. This should have never happened. And we shouldn't have left $85 billion worth of brand new. Much of it is brand new out of the box. I mean, the goggles they have are better than what we have, a later model, the night goggles. And it should have never, ever happened. And the the world is just not respecting us. They had great respect. I knocked out, as you know, I knocked out ISIS, 100% of the ISIS caliphate in Iraq and Syria, and you look at what happened in so many different ways. I dealt with Abdul. He was the head of, and you know this, he was he was the head of the whole deal over there, the, the Taliban. Uh, and I said, not going to happen anymore. I, I won't go into the exact uh, conversation because I'm not sure that your viewers, I think your viewers would actually love it, but I'm not going to do it. But you can imagine what was said. We didn't lose a soldier in 18 months, in 18 months. And we were going to pull out 21 years. I wanted to get out of there a long time ago. We should have never been in there, frankly. Bush did us a tremendous disservice by getting us into the quicksand of the Middle East. But if you look, millions of people killed both sides. Millions of people killed. The place is obliterated. But it was just a whole thing was just we spent $6 trillion, $7 trillion. And what did we get? We got a bad pullout. You don't take the soldiers out first, Ari. You take the soldiers out last. And uh, right now we have hostages in there. There's no question about that. We left hundreds of people in there. Nobody there. I heard today it's 1,113. Who knows what number it is? But we have Americans there. We have other people that should have come out. The people that they did take out, 97% of which should not have been taken out. They just rushed the planes. And, you know, they talk about the airlift, how successful. It was a failure because the people that should have been taken out were not taken out. I think it was the lowest moment in our country's history. I think in terms of that pullout, it looked like we surrendered, like we ran away. And uh, we had them. They were not. They were, again, 18 months. And actually, uh, if you look, Biden admitted that during one of his speech speeches. He said, well, I will say 18 for 18 months, no soldiers have been killed under the Trump agreement. And everybody's screaming at him like, you're not supposed to say that. But it's true. 18 months, we had nobody killed. Unlike Chicago, unlike New York, unlike, frankly, Seattle, uh, we had not one American soldier killed, not even shot at. And that's the way it was. And then we had an election that was a rigged election, and we had a result that was terrible. And uh, all of a sudden, everybody's feeling their oats. And that includes Iran. We had Iran we would have had a deal within one week after we got back. And now they're uh, calling all the shots. It's terrible. You know, Mr. President, you had such amazing foreign policy accomplishments. We had peace. The rest of the world was afraid of the might of the United States. And something I'd be remiss mm -hmm. if I didn't mention, my relatives and my friends in Israel, they called me when they heard I was having this interview with you and they said, please make sure to thank him for the Abraham Accords. Please make sure to thank right. him. Right. So very proud of that. It was amazing that you did that. And most presidents wait until their second term to try and solve peace in the Middle East. You made it a cornerstone of your foreign policy. Why did you decide to do that? And how did you get something so amazing done? A bunch of peace deals in one year span. It's unheard of. 
and with the uh, UAE and Mohammed, who's a warrior. He's a respected, you know, it's a respected. That was number one. And I think if we got back in, we would have had maybe the whole thing would have been wrapped up. They were all ready to come in. They were virtually standing on line. And a lot of it was the respect that Iran was showing us for the first time. I mean, Iran was they were willing to do whatever. And I actually felt wait till after the election. I felt very confident we were going to win the election. Wait till after the election. We would have had peace in the Middle East. It would have worked out good. Now I don't think they can because they're dealing with Iran again and, and dealing with them the way they're dealing with them. The weakness is just incredible when you look at what's happening. So I, I don't think you can do that. But the Abraham Accords were incredible. And and we would have, again, they were, they were lining up and... Uh, starting with UAE, which is so respected, you know, by the other countries over there. And uh, that's the way it goes. But it was a terrific thing. Jerusalem, uh, you look at what happened with Jerusalem, the capital. That was a big thing in Israel. Uh, we have uh, so many other. I mean, frankly, the biggest thing I did probably for Israel was breaking up the Iran nuclear deal mm -hmm. because they're calling for death to Israel and death to the United States, by the way. And by breaking that up, that might have been the biggest thing. But, yeah, I, I, I was affectionately told I could run for prime minister of Israel and win very easily. <laughs> they like me over there. I will say this, Ari. They like me over there more than if you look at the vote. It's incredible that, you know, I didn't get the kind of a, a vote from Jewish people that you would think I would get. Jewish people in this country, many of them, do not like Israel. You look at the New York Times, the New York Times is vicious against Israel. And it's just a terrible thing to, to watch. But I, I'm so surprised because you would have thought that between all of the things I did, many things beyond just Jerusalem, but the biggest thing I always say, bigger than anything, if you really look, is what I did with the Iran nuclear deal, breaking it up, which had to be done. Obama should have never, ever approved it. But they're so used to voting Democrat. Now, we got 75 million votes, 12 million more than last time and everything else. But I would have thought that I would have done better with the Jewish vote. Well, I'll tell you, Mr. President, in the more observant ends of the Jewish world, I have a lot of people come up That's to me right. who used to be Democrats, and they said, you know, I voted for yep. Trump this time. And I'll tell That's you something else. I was in Israel yep. right before the pandemic. And as I was walking down the street, when people knew I was American, they would say to me, make sure you keep Trump. And one more quick story, and then I got some more questions for you, is Go that ahead. the uh, yarmulke is on your head. They're selling Trump ones right. everywhere in Israel before the election. That's right. Just as I heard that. Oh, I got some. I got a few in my house. And I actually said to one Good. of the vendors, I said, I said, excuse me, this was just as a joke. I said, do you guys sell the Biden ones also? And they just laughed. They just laughed and they thought it yeah. was hysterical because they said, yeah. no, we don't want that guy in office. Mr. President. No. Well, you know, the biggest change I've seen in Congress is Israel literally owned Congress. You understand that 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And it was so powerful. It was so powerful. And today it's almost the opposite. Uh, you have between AOC and Omar and these people that hate Israel. They hate it with a passion. They're controlling Congress. And Israel is not a force in Congress anymore. It's, I mean, it's just amazing. I've never seen such a change. And we're not talking about over a very long period of time. But I think you know exactly what, I, what I'm saying. They had such power. Israel had such power. And rightfully over Congress. And now it doesn't. It's mm -hmm. incredible, actually. It's really a shift we're seeing inside the Democrat Party. And speaking of the Democrats in Congress and Joe Biden, what was your plan coming out 
of the pandemic. You had the vaccine rollout, but there were still going to be some issues with the supply chain. Joe Biden made him infinitely worse by paying people to stay home. What was your way that you were going to ramp up production again, get people back to work? Yeah, well, we didn't see the problem with the supply chain. You know, we had no problem with the supply chain. We had no problem with mandates because everybody, if you remember, Ari, everybody wanted to get the shot. Now, I'm very proud of the fact that I got a vaccine, actually three vaccines and great therapeutics to Regeneron, et cetera. But we got three great vaccines done in less than nine months. They said it would take at least five years and it wouldn't be successful. And this was tremendously successful. But if you remember when I was there, we were doing a lot. We were doing a million one a day. And, you know, we and we had a very small ramp up. I used the military. They were doing a fantastic job. The the incredible thing is we didn't have mandates. Everybody wanted to take the vaccine Mm -hmm. because I think they trusted me or something. It has to do with trust of Biden. And now you see all of these people that don't want to take it. So many people. And you have the mandate situation. We didn't have a mandate because people were rushing to take it. It's very interesting. And I think it's a lack of trust in the current administration. I agree with you, especially because they're the ones who sowed the distrust with all the things they said leading up to the election. Oh, we're never going to take right. the vaccine created by that person. Mr. President, I, right. I got a few questions. And one other thing, yeah, if I ahead. might, Ari, go ahead, sir. one other thing. When they paused Johnson & Johnson, mm-hmm. over six people who didn't die, I think one might have, but over six people out of millions, right? When they paused Johnson & Johnson, that was really bad because people didn't view it as a pause of Johnson & Johnson. They don't know what Johnson & Johnson is. They viewed it as a pause and a pause of the vaccine. When they did that pause, that was a very, very bad thing in terms of the vaccine. Very, very bad. Mr. President, looking at, uh, I agree a thousand percent. It scared a lot of people as well. Looking yep. forward to 2024, I know there's a question you always get asked, and I know that you can't answer it because of campaign finance laws and such. So I'm going to phrase it a little differently, which is in 2024, is there anybody in the Republican Party you think would make a good running mate if you decide to run again or a Republican candidate you think that would have your support if you decided not to run again? Both answers, I think, yes. Yeah, I think that uh, I have some fantastic people that would do it and like to do it and would be good. And, uh, you know, I'm going to make a decision. But I have to tell you, maybe I'm not going to have to worry about the second question so much because I think you're going to be happy. We're going to see. We're going to see. But I, I think you'd be happy. It's amazing how time flies. Here we are already in the first cycle. The first, you know, first year is almost up. You know, when it started at four years, I said, we have to wait four years. And you talk about all the things that took place in this election, how horrible it was. And so you said, maybe we cut it down. But think of it, already a year is up, almost. And time flies, Ari, time flies. I think you'll be very happy. I know you well. I know about you. I appreciate you so much. You've been one of the great, just a very, very important voice. You are a very respected and important voice, and I appreciate it. But I think you'll be very happy. I really appreciate that, Mr. President. Last question that I have for you is with today's young conservatives on campus who are being bullied, who are being silenced, who are afraid to speak up, who are afraid to show their support for you. We have a lot of kids that listen to this show, a lot of kids on college campuses. What words of advice would you give to them? Well, first I'll make a statement. I think there are far more of them, even at the young age, than anybody would believe possible. I'm seeing it. You look at the job that Charlie Kirk and some others are doing. 
I mean, they're packed every time they have a rally or every time they have a meeting. When I have rallies, I have thousands of young people. Uh, they're not alone. You know, they, they felt that way sometimes. I don't know. There is a difference. These other people, they're vicious. And what they do is just a terrible, I mean, so bad in so many ways. But there are a lot of us and a lot of them. And just keep up the fight. It's all coming together. Tremendous things are happening, Ari. Tremendous things are happening. They're great people. They get it. They understand it. They want to make America great again. That's what's happening. But there are many, many more people than you would think. I can't wait to be on your social media platform with you, sir. And I'm sure those kids also are looking forward to it. Well, we're going to do it as quickly as possible, that I can tell you. Fantastic. Mr. President, it has been such an honor speaking with you. Thank you so much for the kind words. Thank you so much for all you did. Thank you for all the amazing policies. Thank you for setting an example for the rest of us about leading from the front as opposed to behind. We really do appreciate your time so much. Well, and thank you also, Ari. You do an incredible job. And as I said, such an important voice. Thank you very much, Ari. Thank you, Mr. President. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you talk about stirring the pot. <laughs> I like to stir the pot here sometimes at the sea report. I don't do it intentionally all the time. Talking about Ron Watkins up there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the head of the show. That could be considered stirring the pot. Playing a President Trump interview where he directly talks about the you-know-whats. Oh, we can say it. We're not on ScrewTube anymore. On the uh, the vaccines, the uh, the gene therapy inoculations, uh, gene serum inoculations, to, to, to stand correctly. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm basically, I mean, I'm basically at this point right now, guys, with those conversations. Either uh, President Trump is a pharmaceutical salesman who's been lying to us the whole time and did nothing great for our country, nor to wake up the people, nor to be a spearhead in order to get us roused enough to uh, stand and fight for ourselves, or it's all a political long game and uh, we have to uh, take a back seat and understand it. That's all I can say about that. It's one or the other. Either he is with the bad guys or he's with the Americans. Period. And you guys can take it from there wherever you want to take it. I'm just playing the interview, guys. So don't shoot the messenger. Uh, Jackie Blue, uh, good to see you in the uh, chat room. Full truth and transparency, only way forward, no more lies. I agree with that. Thank you for gifting the can as well. And also, 123SKG, good evening, sweetie. How are you doing? And thank you also for gifting a can tonight. Glad to have you in the show with us <clears throat> and uh, hanging out, <laughs> hanging out uh, with the chat. Aurelius Locke says, those who stir the shit pot should have to lick the spoon. <laughs> oh, Lord, I'm not stirring the pot. I'll lick that spoon, though. You better believe it, boy. If I am going to cause it, I will stand by my responsibilities. I'm that kind of person. I take full responsibility for my actions and my consequences. Uh, but yeah, you know, as far as that goes, guys, grain of salt, grain of salt. I know we all think we're smarter than President Trump, right? We, I mean, we're smarter than him, obviously. 
We're, we're obviously, we see things he doesn't see, right? Okay. Anyways, uh, let's see here. But that was, that was with the post-millennial. I told you it was a different kind of uh, interview. Uh, they were addressing a very specific, um, a very specific uh, demographic in that interview. So I thought that was very important uh, and interesting to share. Uh, but again, thank you all for uh, joining us today. I like that one, Judgey Janine Puto. <laughs> uh, Mr. C is Judge Janine a rat at one two three SKG. That's kind of where I'm going with this. Yes, I would say she is. When she's like, what date and time will you be at the border so that we can send our assassin squad down there? Yeah. Uh, do you think that you will do the insurrection? Yes or no? Yeah. She's telegraphing for the enemy. Most definitely. Uh, that's the way I see it anyways. And uh, let's see. What else do we have here in the chat? I thought something that caught my uh, rhino hunting season. Yes, indeed, Mr. Uh, Two rivers.com. Oh, wait, that's schlong.com. Two rivers. <laughs> Sonia JHC says, I don't trust any of them, but I've been trying to make people. Oh, I lost the chat. Uh, she says, I've been trying to make people. <clears throat> Where to go? See who Abbott is, and it's not going well. Darling, let me tell you what. We see Abbott. Okay. We see Abbott here at the Sea Report, and. Uh, I'm dedicating my time to railing against that man because he is a rhino. He's bamboozled us. He's got his fifth secretary of snake. And uh, yeah, yeah, most definitely. He's got to go. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Hey, Curious Cat, what's going on? Curious Cat says, Trump mentions again not having to wait that long. Oh, it seems like we've been doing nothing but waiting, right? Hey, Pill by the Rabbit, what's up with that poo spoon? <laughs> Anyways, we'll save all of that for in the dark, guys. Yeah, you can come at me in the dark. It's okay. We all look the same in the dark. Anyways, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, Two Rivers. Two Rivers says, I think he's still not adequately getting the message. Okay. He says he's still not adequately getting... Where'd the message go? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, with a lot of this news coming in from frontline doctors, etc. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who Trump is getting his messages from in regards to uh, the gene serum inoculations. I don't know where he's getting his info. I, I mean, unless he's a guy who really just uh, eats McDonald's and watches TV all day long and then just has people bring him briefings. He could be that guy. I don't know. He's a boss. He's been a boss for so long. He's like, why do I have to do the research? Bring the research to me. Possible. It's very possible, Drew Rivers. <laughs> it's very possible. He could be like, I don't want to do the research. Bring me the research, right? And then he's ex he's expecting trusted people to bring him the data, to bring him the intel, intel. I could see it. I could see it, Two Rivers. But uh, I don't know. As busy and as active as that man seems, I don't imagine him being so lazy. You know? I just don't. But, I mean, I, I could be wrong. I could be 100% wrong. I could be 1,000% wrong. You know? Could be 1,000% wrong. But... Photo op Abbott. What are you talking about? Photo op. What are y'all talking about over there? Tiny bubbles. What is? What are you guys going on about? Okay. 
Hey, WC Crane Up. Sorry if I caused your lunch to, uh, <laughs> sorry if I caused your dinner to, uh, to repeat on you there, sir. How does that always happen? Anyways, okay. Let's see what's up next. Okay, guys, we're going to jump into the rest of our stories and we're wrapping it up for tonight. We'll start with a brief one from Wisconsin. Now, keep in mind, guys, last night we went into a whole bunch of election fraud that has been uncovered in Racine, Wisconsin, which was part of the Wisconsin Five. Again, we're talking about Racine, Milwaukee, Kenosha, Green Bay, and Madison, right? Where we had uh, the Center for Tech and Civic Life and we had the uh, Vote From Home um, Organization Foundation, right? And Michael Spitz Rubenstein coming in and running each of the five municipalities' um, uh, elections, which is against uh, Wisconsin state law, which is against that, you know, it's big, big, big no-no. On top of the money that was dumped by Zuckerbucks, Now we have the Racine issue coming up amongst many issues that have come up. And here's the funny thing about it, guys. We've been sharing these stories with you guys for months and they have not caught any traction. And now it seems like they are. In the the case of Racine, we have a constitutional sheriff who is trying to hold the Wisconsin Election Commission accountable for felony fraud in the 2020 general election in Wisconsin, not even going to the attorney general of Wisconsin because Josh Call, the current attorney general of Wisconsin, is a Soros hack who was uh, who was brought in during his programs of his uh, taking over AGs and DAs and secretaries of state. Okay, so he's 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 going back to the D.A. of Racine in order to try and get this prosecuted or at least investigated. Okay, now uh, outfits like uh, Giuliani and uh, and uh, former uh, police chief Barrick have been talking about this for over a year. Outfits like uh, uh, outfits like the Gateway Pundit have reported on this for over a year. Okay. The story that I'm going to share with you guys now, and it's just a quick brief one, was reported months ago, months ago by ToriSays.com. So these stories, they have been out there, guys. They have been out there and they are just now gaining traction, which is quite interesting, right? It's quite interesting that these stories are just gaining traction. And I don't know. To me, the question is why? Is it because we as a patriot body are not as unified as we should be? I think that could be a point in case, you know, but um, perhaps it's all about timing. Uh, What is it that one man says? Timing is everything. And we see that the timing of everything unraveling and coming together now, just as President Trump said at the conclusion of that interview is, Everything's happening the way it needs to happen. Everything's coming out now. And it's interesting, isn't it, guys? Could it be about timing? Could it be a genuinely manufactured movie that we're watching? Could this be something like we've never expected before? Now, in regards to Racine, we talked about the uh, we talked about the uh, nursing home scandal that is broken in Racine County, uh, but now we see something else is going on, and it seems that Racine, who is a part, and we're not talking about the Racine Bells, right? 
Uh, the Racine Bells and the Georgia Peaches. We're talking about Racine County, okay? Who that is where the sheriff is trying to hold the Wisconsin Election Commission accountable. It seems that the Racine GOP is jumping into the fray now, and they are requesting, they are demanding accountability because apparently the Racine GOP has discovered that in the 2020 general election, there were 23,000 voters who have the exact same phone number, okay? 23,000 voters have the exact same phone number, and 4,000 of those voters were registered on January 1st, 1918. <laughs> 4,000 people in, in Racine, Wisconsin, or in Wisconsin, period, have been alive since 1918. 1918. I did not do my math before we got started, but that would put them at what? 80, 90, 100, 103 years of age, if I'm not mistaken, give or take a decade or two. But I would say about 103 or older. 4,000 people. Can we get the um, Ripley's uh, Book of World Records to Wisconsin to say Wisconsin is the land where we have the most people over a century old? 4,000 of them, apparently. But this is what has been discovered in Racine by the Racine County GOP. Okay. This is crazy, guys. This is crazy. Here is a here is a letter. Here is the letter from the Racine County Republican Party Election Fraud Committee. Uh, let's just take a look at that real quick. We'll take a gander. Uh, <laughs> this would have been a good one to put together last night with uh, the show that we were doing, but uh, we're we're rebounding on it today. Okay. Now this oh what, what this again, guys? Like I said. The stories that we read uh, throughout the whole last of years in regards to election fraud coming from, you know, uh, Rudy Giuliani, coming from the Gateway Pundit, this story coming from TorySays.com. Very interesting. The Racine County Republican Party Election Fraud Committee is asking Racine County municipal clerks to assist in cleaning up voter registration. The Racine County Republican Party Committee on Election Fraud is now in possession of the Wisconsin Election Committee Voter Registration Database for Racine County. Upon review of this database, the committee has found multiple irregularities within the data that have drawn much concern. Over 23,000 voters registered using the same phone number. Wisconsin Election Commission has addressed this on their website as a default number used in the city of Racine prior to 2005, but we found over 100 voters that registered after 2005, including 38 active voters that were registered in 2020 with this same number. So there's no way that this could really be a default if it's not applying towards the entire total sum. 
They also found those who registered these people in 2020 election cycle. Oh, they want to know who registered these people in 2020 election cycle with this number. How did this number move with 63 people who moved over to other Wisconsin counties? In other words, if they're not in Racine County, then why did this number follow 63 other people to Wisconsin, other Wisconsin counties where that number is not a default, even when they re-registered, right? If this is an autofill default program, why are there 131,687 people without phone numbers registered in Racine County? So if they want us to believe that this was a default number in, in, in empty fields, right? Empty little fields where you put your phone number. Why do we still have over 100,000 people that don't have that same autofill number in that box? And if this, is, if this used to be a city of Racine phone number for which department office person did it belong to? Now, the Wisconsin Racine Wisconsin GOP also found 4,120 people were registered using the date January 1st, 1918. One person registered using the date January 1st, 1916, and 40 people with no date. This is a violation of our equal protection rights. Wisconsin Election Commission says they do not know when the person was registered. The question then is, why would you not require these people to re-register to ensure the voter database is clean, up-to-date, and accurate? How can you explain maintaining a database with obvious errors, out-of-date information, and anomalies that simply just don't stand up to scrutiny and logic? The Racine County Republican Party Committee on Election Fraud is submitting a request to the municipal clerk to review the absentee ballot envelopes for those individuals registered in 2020 with that phone number to confirm they truly designated that phone number and we are challenging the 40 who registered but have no date. The Wisconsin Election Committee is acting as a rogue agency. They have proved that they are unable to maintain and secure our very vital voter records. Ladies and gentlemen, let it be said, Wisconsin can and should be decertified. We can get our forensic audit after the decertification. It needs to be decertified. With everything that we saw yesterday, with all of the rest of the fraud that we have seen since, I should say prior, right? Prior, right? Never mind Michael Spitz Rubenstein running five municipalities, you know, never mind the ballot drop boxes, never mind the ballot drops at midnight, which, uh, you know, the black-pilled normies out there will say, well, that's what happens when you have mailed-in ballots, whatever, okay? But now this, a lie on default numbers, and like I said, guys, this was reported months ago. Months ago is when this was reported, and it's finally hitting the shoreline as a crestfallen wave that wants attention, and we should give it to them. Uh, these numbers also agree with work performed by Wisconsin Hot. Uh, Wisconsin Hot is a um, um, is an election integrity activist organization in Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin Hot stands for Wisconsin Honest, Open, Transparent. Now, these are the guys that actually broke this story. Okay, 
These are the people on the ground in Wisconsin, election integrity activists who actually broke the story. They took it to the GOP, okay? Wisconsin hot. And they are the ones who reported on this in September. September, okay? <laughs> that was quite some time ago. And let's not forget, in addition to this, we have the sheriff in Racine who's uncovered the elderly voting scheme. Pardon me. The elderly voting scheme where nursing, nursing homes were targeted and votes were harvested, harvested from the elderly in these homes without their consent, guys. With illegitimate joke Biden taking Wisconsin by a mere 20,000 votes, we see that 140,000 of these votes were dropped on election night in the early morning. All of this adds up to big fraud. When we have 23,000 votes coming from the same phone number, lies about the default number, okay? We have 4,000 voters of that being born in 1918 or 1916. It's very easy to see that this election should be decertified post-haste, ladies and gentlemen. So that was a quick rundown on another form of election fraud evidence, anyways, to speak of. In the state of Wisconsin, let's talk about Georgia. Okay, we've finally gotten to Georgia, guys. We've been trying to get to Georgia for a minute. Now, uh, in Georgia, ladies and gentlemen, <coughs> we're going to talk about evidence of fraud. Now, okay, months ago, months ago when we were talking about election fraud, and I was like, yes, uh, it's the long game. It's lawfare. Be patient, etc." I was like, well, it's not just that, ladies. I was like, it's not it's not just that, ladies and gentlemen. They have to prove the fraud. But then you know that someone out there in lawfare land is going to be like, you have to prove intent. Now, when I said that, I got reamed by all of my audience. They were like, what do you mean intent? They're like, of course it's fraud. You can't, you don't need intent to prove fraud. Well, let me tell you what, guys. The story on Georgia proves intent in the fraud that we're about to share with you right now. And it's not me who's asking for intent. And I know you guys understand that. I understand that as well. But you know some smart and slick willy out there is going to be like, oh, well, can you prove that there was intent to fraud? Okay, was there intent? You know, I don't like it as much as you guys don't like it. I'm just saying. Someone's going to say it, okay? Well, I believe this story proves intent. Okay, so let's talk about this story. We're going to talk about Georgia, and we're going to talk about the absentee ballots that they had going into Georgia. Now, this, this story comes primarily from Uncovered DC, okay? Now, do you guys remember this outfit here? Let me expand that on the screen real quick. Ruben Runbeck Election Services. Do you guys remember Runbeck Election Services? Okay. Runbeck Election Services, guys. They're the ones who are working out of Arizona. Do you guys remember the episode where we talked about Runbeck Election Services? Okay. Runbeck Election Services, who was tied to the post office, who would run uh, ballots and all this stuff, who had hundreds of thousands of them coming in, who would deliver ballots in the morning by the truckload, who would suddenly appear when they seen that they were losing Runbeck Election Services in Arizona. Okay. They have been discovered in Georgia also. Okay. 
Runbeck Election Services working in Arizona and in Georgia in 2020 to run a fraud on the election. Okay, so what do we got going on in Georgia? How does this story prove intent in Georgia? Okay, now Fulton County ordered more than one million absentee ballots from the printer, Runbeck Election Services, and also also one that was being run out of little Bradford Raffensburger's office, the Secretary of Snakes, that totaled more than one million. And this was days before the 2020 election. Now, if you're going to get absentee ballots and you're going to bring them and have them printed and you're going to distribute them and mail them out, is it even plausible that this can be accomplished within days of the election? No, it's not. Let's do a quick rundown. Okay, now, Uncovered DC had recently reported that Fulton County actually paid Dominion $2 million to basically staff and run their voting systems for the 2020 general, general election. Pardon me. Now, the reason why Fulton County had Dominion staffing and running their elections was because apparently many of the uh, county election staff were quarantined because apparently they had come into contact with someone who tested positive for COVID-19. Now, while this was going on, the investigation of election-related invoices happened, okay? This was, this was again, Uncover DC, okay? They investigated into this. They were like, okay, so we have uh, $2, $2 million going to Dominion from Fulton County. Let's take a look at the invoices. Let's see the receipts. They do a uh, request for information, right? Turns up nothing. Finally, they get some info. But while they're doing that, while they're looking into Fulton County paying Dominion, they find some other invoices. These invoices show that Fulton County paid Runbeck Election Services $223,000 and three, I said over $223,000. Okay, they paid them over that. Now, in an open records request for Runbeck, Uncovered DC initially had a no responsive records return. So in other words, they weren't giving them the information. And then upon another request, they got an invoice. Now, what we know about Runbeck Election Services is that they shipped thousands of ballots to the same guy in Georgia who is behind the uh, water main break calls or the decision, you know, at the State Farm Arena, the guy who's like, hey, we got a water main break here in the toilets down on level five, shut down the counting and the elections, right? Election process. So they, they shipped him thousands of ballots, okay? And uh, we also know that uh, Runbeck is, is, uh, is, run by a guy a guy by the name of Brian Runbeck, okay? He works for the company, it's his name. 
Um, he's not listed as a member of the executive team, but Brian Runbeck does identify himself as the client service manager or the project manager and the production coordinator at Runbeck Services. And he manages the production of election ballots and related official election material. And he claims that he handles high pressure deadlines and high volume production. Now, Mr. Runbeck also made 50 separate donations to Act Blue. We just talked about Act Blue in yesterday's episode, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, how there's a lot of question that's coming up into where the money is coming and going from with Act Blue. Now, Runbeck, Mr. Runbeck, this Brian Runbeck, whose namesake is on this business, has made 50 separate donations to Act Blue. Okay, can you say Rico? He's running, uh, he's running fraudulent elections in Arizona and in Georgia. Rico, 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 Rico. Okay. Now, this is where it's all going to come together, guys. Like, this is, this is what I was talking about at the head of the show, where we're actually doing the work ourselves. We're doing the investigations for the investigators. We're the ones who are pulling up all this data and information. They're, they're over there asleep at the wheel, and the American people are actually doing this work, guys. Rico, okay? He's making donations to Act Blue. We all know that Act Blue gets their donations from, uh, you know, uh, dark money agencies and organizations. We also know that this Mr. Runbeck made donations to Biden for president and the Democrat Senatorial Campaign Committee. All of this happened between October, August 15th and October 30th, 2020, ladies and gentlemen. We also know that the ballots in Georgia were different for Democrats and Republican areas. Okay. And this was done by the printer services, Runbeck Election Services. Just a quick recap so you guys can recall, that's what our ballots look like, right? You notice how they're different. You know, you know, uh, you know that uh, Pulitzer, uh, that dude, you know that he, Jovan Pulitzer, right, did a whole breakdown on this, okay? He did a whole breakdown on this. Let's go ahead and expand that. Again, we see that the barcode is missing from the ballots. This uh, It's important because IT specialist Jovan Pulitzer noted in testimony that the Fulton County ballots in the general election for GOP precincts included a barcode while the ballots in Democrats and districts did not include that same barcode. See? You guys remember this? So again, this was a Runbeck thing, guys. The printer services. Let's move on to the next one. Now, according to Uncover DC, Fulton County, Georgia ordered and received over 1 million ballots from Runbeck in the last 10 days or so before the general election. The ballots received were absentee ballots based on the size of the ballots ordered and related in the invoices. And with just 10 days until the November 3rd election, there was literally no way that Runbeck Services, who does uh, um, organize, sort, and mail out the ballots, as well as even the Secretary of State office, there's no way in 10 days that they could have sorted, prepared, folded, stuffed, and mailed out all of those ballots before the election 
particularly when we take into consideration that there were no envelopes that went with this order. It was just ballots, no envelopes, just ballots. So why would they order over a million ballots, guys, with no envelopes? What's the purpose of that? It, it just it makes no sense why Fulton County would need over a million absentee ballots less than 10 days before the election, knowing that they would never be mailed out. Here's a, here's a look at the invoice that we have from Runbeck, just so you guys can get an idea exactly of what we're talking about. So here you have Runbeck Services, okay? The date is October 15th. Here's the order. Fulton County ballot, 18 inches, no stub, boxed and sorted by precinct, slip sheet inserted of every 100 ballots. Quantity, 770,210. There's your cost right there. Okay, it says, to ensure timely delivery, acknowledge, exceed, uh, accept this quote no later than end of day Friday, October 16th. Price quoted includes shipping to Atlanta 30318 to arrive on or before Saturday, October 24th. That gives you about 10 days prior to Election Day, November 3rd. Okay? Now, when we're looking at these, this invoice, uh, it seems that the invoice is innocent. You might be like, ah, you know, 10 days. What are they going to do? Okay. Uh, but it's all about the timing and the context of it, guys, because Georgia has two types of ballots. Let's look at the two types of ballots that Georgia has. Where are you at? Your, there we go. Here's our two types of Georgia ballots. Okay. Okay. The first is the in-person ballot. That's this one right here on this side. Okay. In-person ballot says right there. Let me go ahead and expand it. There we go. In-person ballot. First is in-person ballot voting, which takes place on a Dominion voting machine called a ballot marking device that prints the entire ballot and voter selection on blank eight and a half by 11 vote secured paper. The second one would be this one, of course. This long one, it's an 18 incher. That is the absentee vote by mail ballot. It's 18 inches long. It's printed. The quote above um, is for the latter 18 ballots. So right there. Now, Fulton County, Fulton County, along with nearly every other county in Georgia, participated in a program through the Georgia Secretary of State's office in which ballots were printed and mailed directly to the voter. Now, this is something that Runbeck Services would do. They worked as kind of like a postmaster, post office. They would, uh, they would uh, print uh, the ballots. They would um, uh, print the envelopes and they would mail them out to the people who requested them. Now, this was an overview of the program. Not going to read this, but uh, it's the general election absentee uh, fulfillment program. I'll ex I'll expand it just so you can see it. But uh, basically, this is the way it worked. 
you had voters who would request an absentee by mail ballot by filling out a form and mailing it to the county or doing the same thing online through the county Georgia Secretary of Snakes website. The information would then be submitted to the printing company who would print the ballot and mail it directly to the voter. The program received its final ballot order on October 16th. Okay. Now, again, we have the Runbeck invoice. Ooh, the Runbeck invoice. Now, counties had to facilitate the printing and mailing of only a small number of ballots requested from October 17th until the cutoff date at the end of the month. And the Runbeck ballot was uh, order was in addition, okay, this order right here that we're looking at on the screen, which again, it was 770,210 ballots ordered from Runbeck. In addition to that, they also had an invoice for a separate order that came from the Secretary of State's ballot printing and mailing program. There was a massive 17 pallet order of 770,210 absentee by mail ballots that were delivered to the county on October 24th. But wait, there's more. Here is the Fulton County. Here's the Fulton County order, guys. You want to see the Fulton County invoice, right? This is the one that comes from Bradford Raffensperger's uh, little office there. Now, this is uh, from Fidlar, okay? Now, Fidlar, invoice date October 31st, ladies and gentlemen. The uh, ballots ordered from Bradford Raffensperger was a total of, um, let's see here, 38 1,974. Oh, wait, that's the change. Sorry. Uh, 144,350, guys. They ordered 144,350 on top of the 770,000. Okay. Not only did they order 144,350 ballots, they ordered them twice. So that takes your number right up to 288,700 ballots that were shipped on October 20th and they landed on or about October 31st, 2020. Okay. So 288,000 plus ballots with over 770,000 ballots brings you over 1 million ballots. Why did Fulton County need over 1 million absentee ballots, ladies and gentlemen? Why? That's the question. Now, you guys might be saying, Mr. C, this proves intent. Oh, we're not there yet, ladies and gentlemen, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Now, Again, we have two invoices. We have two printing and mailing systems, Runbeck and Bradford Raffensperger's butt, okay, that are printing these ballots and they're calling them over to Fulton County. Now, these images that I'm showing you now have been circulated around the web. We have the Fulton County warehouse with stacks and pallets and boxes of ballots 
that people were like, what's going on here? Why do we have pallets and pallets of ballots in our warehouse? All of these absentee ballots, what's the deal? What's going on here? Okay, now this is old sauce, guys. Old sauce. Not a lot of context went behind these pictures. There was a lot of room for speculation about these absentee ballots and why we had a warehouse full of them in Fulton County, right? Keep in mind, guys, with just 10 days until the November 3rd election, there was literally no way to sort, prepare, fold, stuff, and mail out all of these ballots before the election. And that is especially considering that no envelopes were ordered with these ballots, which means it's quite possible to discern that there was never any intention of them mailing out these absentee ballots to begin with. But wait, this has been debunked, Mr. C. How has this been debunked? Let's talk to one Gabriel Sterling. Francis, guys. Francis from Pee Wee's uh, Big Adventure. I like to call him Percy. But Francis, otherwise known as Gabriel Sterling, who was the chief operation officer for Bradford Raffenberger's Office of Secretary of Snakes, supposedly debunked this entire idea. He was like, it's debunked. Debunked. You saw this guy coming out every 20 minutes during that entire debacle during Election Day plus 20 at the State Farm Arena. Now, here's how he debunked it. This is his excuse. This is his reason right here. Now, he says, and I quoteth as best as I can if. We'll expand it. Don't worry, guys. He says, they got hit by COVID. He's like, peewee. They got hit by COVID. They was concerned they couldn't do logic and accuracy testings of the equipment, Pee-wee. As a plan C, they ordered enough emergency ballots in case they had to do hand-marked at polling locations, Pee-wee. They didn't. The ordered ballots were known and in view all at the time. Or he probably meant at all times. Okay, Pee-wee. Okay. Now... If anyone follows anything about elections, they know that counties are required to have emergency ballots on hand at 10%. <coughs> Excuse me. 10% of the expected vote. It makes no sense that Fulton County would order, just for Fulton County, 1.1 plus million ballots. That's way beyond 10%, but we'll get into that in just a minute. Now, Mr. Sterling, otherwise known as uh, Francis, Mr. Sterling's explanation for the order sounds logical. Now, here was what was going on. You had, uh, you had uh, these people getting sick, so Dominion comes in, but then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they discover that there's a glitch in the Dominion software. So when this glitch in the Dominion software happens, they find that there needs to be an update. And it's affecting thousands of the voting machines across the state, not just in Fulton County. Now, due to that resulting delay, 
there simply was not enough time for election officials to perform the proper and legally required logic and accuracy testing. So they printed a million plus ballots in Fulton County alone because the Dominion machines were not working. And they were afraid that come election day, they were going to need to have those on hand to do hand-marked voting in the event that the Dominion machines did not work. Debunked! Right there, right, Francis Sterling? Debunked! You know, you had the fact checkers and everyone be like, debunk, debunk, debunk. They had it because of Dominion glitches, okay? Well, ladies and gentlemen, as the story goes on, we find out that there is a voter integrity group called Coalition for Good Governance. And Coalition for Good Governance has had been at this point running a long-time court battle against the use of these voting machines. And because of that, the Secretary of Snakes, Bradford Raffensperger, brought the matter before the court. Now, because the voting machines had not been properly tested, the court could have prohibited the counties from using them for the election. And that would have created the situation in which voters would have needed these absentee ballots. Debunked! Right? Debunked! We've debunked it. Why are you wasting our time, Mr. C? But if we take a close look at the records, as Uncover DC did, we can easily see that none of this lines up and something smells rotten with Gabriel Francis Sterling. Okay, let's take a look at the issue of the logic and accuracy testing, which is a legal requirement to use these machines in elections. Now, Francis claimed, do I Francis? Francis, are you still here? Oh, it's not Francis. I'll pull her up anyways. She's coming up right now. Now, Francis claimed that the ballot order had already been settled by a court decision on Sunday, October 11th. Okay. Now, the person on the screen, her name is Judge Amy Totenberg. Judge Amy Totenberg, on October 11th, found that the voting machines had not been tested in accordance with Georgia law, but decided that the court was not prepared to prevent the voting machines from being used and deferred this entire matter to the Secretary of Snake's office about the testing. This is what she said. She said, recognizing that early voting starts on October 12, 2020, and the immense imminence of the November 3rd general election, the court must defer to the Secretary of State's office and State Board of Elections determination of whether additional measures are pragmatically feasible at this juncture to strengthen the scope of the L and A. Okay, that's the uh, that is the testing, the logic and accuracy testing preparations for general elections with a huge anticipated turnout. As logic and accuracy testing has already commenced on BMD equipment to be deployed at early voting locations, the court is not prepared to issue a ruling on the LNA testing issue purely standing on its own. So following the ruling of the court, 
early voting began the very next day using the BMD voting machines, the same Dominion voting machines we've been talking about, that Francis Sterling claimed were at issue. But the fact is that these machines were not. The matter of logic and accuracy testing was decided on the court, was decided by the court on Sunday. And BMD voting machines were used by early voters on Monday. And the ballots were not ordered until days later on Friday. So the court says we're deferring to Bradford Raffensperger. On Monday, they're using the machines. And Gabriel Francis Sterling's claiming that they ordered these ballots because of this event. But they did not order the ballots until five days after they started using the machines, which means they don't need 1.1 plus million ballots on hand just in case they cannot use the machines. Intent, ladies and gentlemen, that's just the beginning of it. But this is this, this is the formation of intent because you know there's going to be some lawfare snake out there that's going to be like, we'll prove that they intended to defraud America. Well, let me tell you how they proved to defraud America. Why did they order over a million ballots for Colton, Fulton County alone if there was no intention of some kind of heist? Okay, now, let's move on, ladies and gentlemen. Let's look at a timeline just for visual sake again, which with much thanks to Uncover DC. Here we go, guys. Timeline on this. for Timeline of intent, guys. October 11th. The court rules machines can be used. October 12th, early voting begins using these machines. October 15th, Fulton County seeks and receives a quote on these absentee ballots. October 16th, Fulton County places the order for the absentee ballots. October 24th, the ballot order is delivered to Fulton County. And on November 3rd, we have the general election. It doesn't get much clearer than that, guys on how to uh, debunk Gabriel Francis Sterling's claims about why they had 1.1 million ballots extra on hand. But wait, there's more, okay? There's more. We ain't done yet. We're almost done, but we're not done yet. Now, Francis, Gabriel Sterling, his explanation, again, it makes no sense. And, uh... Another reason along with that is that according to the Secretary of State Bradford Raffensperger's website, Fulton County's total number of all votes, all of the votes casted in Fulton County in the general election to include absentee ballots, early ballots, and election day voting ballots was a total of 528,777 ballots. So why do they need 1.1 plus million ballots if they only have 500,000 ballots, okay? Now, one week before the ballot order, on October 18th, Fulton County Elections Director Rick Barron reported to the Fulton County Board of Elections that 183,915 ballots had already been mailed to Fulton County voters. Therefore, even if the court had ruled against the Secretary of State and had prohibited the machines from being used, 
Fulton County would have only needed little more than 1,058,210 ballots to accommodate every single voter. The third strike against Francis Sterling is that no other Georgia counties ordered any significant number of ballots extra. Cobb County and Gwinnett County, in fact, both confirmed that they only ordered the legally required number of emergency ballots, which is 10% of active registered voters in their county to have on hand on election day. Now, this is relevant because the legal and court issues that Gabriel Francis Sterling presents as the reason for the Fulton County ballot order is not would not have uh, just affected Fulton County, but the entire state of Georgia. So if he's saying uh, all of the machines are down, they need an update, we need extra ballots on hand, why is it that Fulton County is the only county where this happened? Kind of like Bergen County in New Jersey. Kind of like a sex county in New Jersey. Yeah, guys, we're watching New Jersey. The three reasons presented above remove any logic and all credibility from Gabriel Francis Sterling's assertions regarding the last minute ballot order. The fact is, guys, that we still don't have a clear understanding or even a justifiable reason for why Fulton County would have ordered so many ballots. Consider the fact that with massive number of absentee ballots ordered and received, one could have replaced nearly all 1.1 million absentee ballots cast in the entire state of Georgia. Which kind of makes you wonder, when we're talking about intent, why this was done that way. And ladies and gentlemen, that, as they say, is a wrap. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Sea Report. That is just a little bit of uh, more fraud that we're uncovering here. Now, I'm sure as we go along, we'll be able to talk a little bit more about election fraud. There's Stuff that just popped up in Michigan. There's more stuff that I'm popping up in uh, Georgia. It's just never ending, guys. But it's a good thing because as long as we know that these are breaking the headlines and these stories are being told, that at least they're getting out there. And it is at least a part of my job, in my opinion, to make sure to share this news, to share this information Uh, So this way we all have a broader look at what was really going on. We can really take a look at all of the the little niches and crags and crooks and crannies about how they're performing election fraud. Goodness gracious, ladies and gentlemen. Doreen Mark, good evening. Thank you for gifting the shade. She says she's in New Jersey. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my days, Doreen Mark. What is going on up there? Gurr. The amount of uh, fraud that happened in this 2021 governor's election, Doreen Merck, is insane. And I hope they get it taken care of soon. Um, but but if you missed yesterday's episode, Doreen Merck, go ahead and take a gander. Because uh, we talked about at least four or five points of fraud in the election from Tuesday. 
And I don't think Murphy's going to sit long. And I know Chitterelli is also not, uh, what do you call it? He's not um, conceding. So that should be uh, pretty interesting to see where that goes. I'm sure he feels like a doofus for denying 2020 election fraud. And now he's eating it. But hopefully things go the way that they need to go. All right, guys. I appreciate you guys hanging out. Uh, we will be back, of course, later on tonight with another episode of Mr. C in the Dark. We're going to have a fun, light episode tonight, guys. It's not going to be a heavy one. I promise we're not going to be talking about the Swamp Prince, Hunter Biden, and his laptop. We're not. Uh, we may not even. Well, we may break some headlines, but it's not going to be anything that uh, I think we'll lose sleep over. Okay. <laughs> So hopefully we'll see you guys tonight. We'll have special guests on. Aurelius Locke should be with us tonight. I know he's hanging out right now. It'll be good to have him on with us. We'll have Nick Walls with us as well. It'll be a fun night hanging out with the crew. And uh, we'll be talking about uh, some good old fun stuff, guys. Some good old fun stuff. But you'll have to be there to be square. Because trust me, I'm going to be square tonight, guys. <laughs> All right, y'all. I've released the scratching for all of those over at foxholeandpill.net. If you joined us over there on DLive, Trovo, Twitch, or CloutHub, thank you for tuning in and not tuning out. Uh, we will be back this weekend, of course. We've got uh, Mr. C in the Dark tonight. We've got Lone Star News tomorrow. We've got Mr. C in the Dark tomorrow. And we will have a special interview with um, uh, one Everett triplet talking about war or peace, wake up America, battlefield, United States, prepare for EMP grid down nuclear attack. When summer is near time is short stockpile supplies. This is not about fear porn guys. This is not about getting us all caught up in our feels. This is about being aware, awake and hearing that message. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, Y'all have a great night. It's been a pleasure as always. Mr. Uh, DJ Ping254 over there at uh, Twitch. Thanks for hanging out and holding the light on. We'll see you guys next time on the Sea Report. Till then, we'll catch you around. And as always, be safe and be blessed. And God bless America. Take care. <laughs>